Hey, everybody. Welcome to episode 30 of the Masterclass. My name is Cam, and I am joined by my good friend, Dave. How are you, man? I'm good, Cam. It's good to be here with you. It is. Thank you for inviting me into your house. Oh. There's every once in a while, I, I get the feeling that I'm just going to come and you're not going to be here. <laughs> you're going to have something better to do, and I'm just going to be sitting on your porch all sad. <laughs> I can't even pretend to record because it's locked up in your basement. That won't happen. Well, thank you for calming my <laughs> my fears. I will do my best to let you know if I won't be here. <laughs> well, just send a carrier pigeon. I could. All right. Well, it's episode 30. Three zero. Which is kind of scary because now we're entering uncharted territories for me. I don't know what 30. Oh, yeah. You haven't been 30 yet. No, I don't think I've done 30 of anything. And that includes push-ups and sit-ups, I think. So. <laughs> <laughs> uh, anyways, so before the show, Dave. Yes. I was perusing Twitter as I tend to do and I want to know what's going on in the mm-hmm. world. It is my source for news and all of the things that interest me. And I came across an article or a tweet from the Gospel Coalition on Stephen Colbert, a fool for Christ. And so naturally I clicked on it because I am a Stephen Colbert fan. And I I know that he's a Catholic and I thought, well, this should be an interesting article. Um, And so we will link to the article in the show notes so you can read it as well. Um, in the article, I would give half a thumb up if I could do that. <laughs> Cause like it's, it's kind of the typical, I, I, I don't like the fact that this is typical, but it's like, here's what Stephen Colbert does well, but here's how he should really do it. Ouch. And that sort of stuff bugs me, even though I have opinions on pretty much every topic in the planet. So it's, it, it's a bit of a double standard there. Um, but the gem of this article is at the very beginning where it links to an interview that Stephen Colbert does for a show called witness, which is a, um, part of, I think it's salt and light ministries. It's like a Catholic talk show. It's hosted by a, a priest and I can't remember his name. Um, but he seems like a nice guy in the video anyhow. And so it's like, it's 45 minute interview or conversation really that Colbert has with this priest. And it's really good. And I have a lot of issues with Catholic theology that we don't need to get into, but the interview itself is funny. And you like, I had a sneaking suspicion that Colbert was a really intelligent guy, but this interview, you're like, holy crap, this dude knows his stuff. Like he knows church history. He knows church theology. At one point he quotes Anselm's like 13 step ontological uh, argument for the existence of God, like verbatim. Well, he, he kind of summarized it, but he just pulls it out. He, he talks about CS Lewis and the screw tape letters, which I found interesting because Lewis was not a Catholic as far as I'm aware. Mm-mm. Yeah. Thanks for backing me up there, Dave. <laughs> Anyhow, uh, don't be, don't be put off by the fact that it's a 45 minute interview. Cause guess what? You're listening to this episode and we're guaranteed to be longer than 45 <laughs> minutes. Um, but it is totally worth your time to watch because as the article points out, it's a unique thing to have the host of the late show, um, arguably the number one or number two slot in all of television next to the tonight show, depending on, you know, who you prefer, but to have that person be, so um, open and honest and frank about having faith in God and God does exist. And I'm, you know, 
uh, I think that's a unique thing in that the fact that he's not shying away from any of it. Mm-hmm. And he even brings it up. And so they talk about fear and anxiety. They talk about humor. They talk about the Pope. They talk about um, the Lord's Supper. Uh, all sorts of um, really interesting stuff. I watched it right before this episode, or this, uh, we started recording this episode. So there will be a link to that as well. And we might even just embed the YouTube video on our website because I'm that impressed with it. Cool. So. Dave's going to watch it at some point. I look forward to watching it. I may or may not watch it tonight. You you need to watch The Late Show tonight is what you (laughs) need to do. But anyhow, um, we just wanted to let you guys know about that because it was was really cool, I thought. Yes, I would agree. We're all about sharing the cool resources, Dave. (laughs) Which is why we're also going to be sponsored by WWJD Bracelets today. Oh, are we? What would Jesus do? Yeah. Do you remember those? I do. Yeah. I remember talking about them. I used to wear mine inside out, you know, with the white showing because I was a rebel. (laughs) I never had. I'll go to youth group, but I don't want to (laughs) go. Oh, man. I was a mess. Middle school. (laughs) Short and chubby and smelly. Oh, no. Braces. Orange (laughs) hair. I, 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 uh, I had blonde hair as a child, very mm-hmm. blonde hair. And then it turned brown. But my mother's side of the family has red hair. And so I went to bleach my hair in middle school because it was oh. <laughs> in 1998. And that was just a thing you did then. Uh, much like super baggy jeans. And uh, it turned my hair orange. Nice. It was a rough look. I was like five foot four. <laughs> Like 150 pounds, and I had orange hair and braces. It was quite, I can't believe I just told the whole world that. There will not be a photo in the show notes. <laughs> but then I grew nine inches, so it all That's worked out. Good. <laughs> um, please, Dave, read the Bible, because I don't know where I'm going. All right. I am totally off, off track. So we are on to Matthew 9, chapter 9 through 13, and it says... As Jesus passed on from there, he saw a man called Matthew sitting at the tax booth, and he said to him, Follow me. And he rose and followed him. And as Jesus reclined at the table in the house, behold, many tax collectors and sinners came and were were reclining with Jesus and his disciples. And when the Pharisees saw this, they said to to his disciples, Why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? But when he heard it, he said, Those who are well have no need of of a physician. But those who are sick, go and learn what this means. I desire mercy and not, and not sacrifice, for I came not to call the righteous, but sinners. Thank you, sir. Yes. Impeccable as always. Well, I stuttered a few times there. Well, but, you know. Except for that one episode. <laughs> All right. So I'm going to just toss up a, a real, you know, this is a layup for you, Dave. Oh, okay. Uh, what does it mean to follow Jesus? Uh, it really? That's a layup? <laughs> well, I, I, I didn't mention that Shaquille O'Neal was in between you and the basket, so. Uh, what does it mean to follow Jesus? Uh, can I say I'm still trying to figure that out exactly? You can say that. <laughs> Should you say that? <laughs> I don't know. Well, so no. my reason in asking, mm-hmm. if I can preface sure. this, um, is... 
I was tempted to just cut the scripture reading at verse nine. Okay. Because I personally feel like this whole concept of what it means to follow Jesus is um, elusive or not even on the radar for a lot of people. Um, my experience, um, I stepped down from being a youth pastor at the very end of 2013. So it's been what one year and nine months mm-hmm. um, since I stopped and over two years since I told everyone I was leaving. Mm-hmm. Um, and so in that last, what was that? 21 months. Um, yay, mental math. Um, I'm gonna be really mad if I'm mad about that or if I'm wrong about that, but we'll, we'll go with it. 21 months. Um, I've had the opportunity to work with a lot of non-Christians, uh, in the, in the jobs that I've had since then. Um, in fact, I would say almost exclusively I've worked with non-Christian people. Um, and so the, the conversations that I've been able to have with them about church and God and the Bible and Jesus and and all that stuff, a lot of their reactions when I was able to explain like what Christianity is actually about and what the gospel is, their response is, and I'm paraphrasing here, um, generally, oh, really? I remember going to church as a kid and, you know, like the, the concept of a relationship with a God who loves them and who chose to die for them is a concept that they're not familiar with, even though some of them know what Christianity is. Mm -hmm. And, and so for me, this, this idea of follow me is something that I think is very um, misunderstood or not even known about to folks that haven't been exposed to God or what church should actually be about. So that's why I started with this question, because I think it's the most important question we're going to discuss the rest of the show. I, I would agree. And I guess that's where I, you know, my initial answer um, sort of joking, but probably more serious than joking is I, I truly am trying to still figure that out. Um, why follow Jesus? And I think that's kind of the premise for much of why we're here is I believe he knows how to live my life better than anybody else. He knows how to live my life better than I know how to live my life. And so if I have a resource of somebody that can show, tell me how to get the most out of this life, wouldn't I want to tap into that and learn from that? And so I do believe that Jesus is probably the smartest person that ever lived. I do believe that Jesus, um, understands what it means to be human. I think he understands what it means to struggle. Um, But then there's this unique attribute that he's God. Just, yeah, that little little part right there. So that's that's (laughs) kind of crazy. And then on top of that, a God that humbled himself to the point of dying on the cross for my sins. And while 
following him is important from that aspect of nobody could live my life better than him and learning from him. He had this incredible humility as God to die on the cross, which I can't even begin to comprehend. Right, because if someone was, had the reason not to be humble, you would think it would be God. Yeah. Because <laughs> he's kind of, you know, better in every way. Yeah. And I'm not even remotely close to even like, I mean, I don't like being inconvenienced in the least. <laughs> and I would think dying on a cross would be incredibly, an incredible inconvenience. An incredible inconvenience is getting stuck at the train. Yeah. I, yeah, I don't even know where, where on the scale of. I don't either. I, yeah, I can't even begin to uh, comprehend that. And so, as we've mentioned with um, Dietrich Bonhoeffer, that when Christ bids you to come and follow him, he bids you to come and die. And so when I come back to the. Can we talk about that for a second? Okay, so um, I feel like, can't believe I just started a sentence with I feel like. Let me retract. Um, I have heard it said many, many, many times that the gift of grace that God gives us is the easiest gift we'll ever receive, or something along that line. And I believe that that is misleading because a lot of people are taught that being a Christian and following Jesus is easy and that their life will go well and it'll all just be butterflies and rainbows and little leprechauns and Mm -hmm. whatever else that happens there. And that's BS to me. It's the cheap grace too. It, it, it is a not, it's it's misleading to people. Mm-hmm. It's not biblically accurate, and it sets people up for disappointment and failure. Yeah. To say, accept Christ, and all of your problems will go away, and life will be easy. Random thought, and I hope I'm not derailing us too much. Do you think that is the case around the world? Or is that because we often talk about America and oh, 20th century? I'm a, and, I'm a white guy in America. It's hard for me to see anything but. But do you think there are other places in the world where that's the case with the gospel? Or do you think it's such a. I, I think that where that version of the gospel is preached is where Affluent, civilizations have Western, arrived. Western civilization. I, I don't think that Christians in China are telling each other life's going to be easier as a Christian because no. they know that it's not, but they choose to follow Christ anyways, which is again, a reason why I think what does it mean to follow Christ is such a huge question because there are people all over the world in terrible situations where the government refuses to allow them the opportunity to hear the gospel. And if they do, they can be killed or jailed. And yet people are still flocking to, to Christ me. under those circumstances. And we're like, well, uh, but it's football season and, and so that's why to me, this is such a, um, important concept to discuss, even if we don't have an answer of 
this is the three-step process to what it means to follow Jesus, right. which again is a very American way to look at it. But why throughout the centuries have people willingly chosen Christ and God over comfort and, you know, life? Right. Yeah. And, you know, I don't know. Um, well, and I agree. And it, and it's, again, one of those, try, those things that I try to figure out of, you know, do I need to sell everything I own? And do I need to go Not to these places? Not the podcast places? equipment, Dave. <laughs> everything but the podcast equipment. <laughs> you know, do I need to give it all up and move to somewhere? And so far, I feel like the answer has been no. But there is just this sense of, I have so much. And what have I really given up to follow him? I don't I mean, I don't feel like it's cost me much to follow him. And that bothers me sometimes that I'm like, it hasn't cost me anything. And even things that people want to point out is, oh, oh, but you've done this or this, you know, it's like, yeah, I just don't feel like that compares. And again, well, I, I, I'm not, no, go ahead. No, I was just going to say, I, <clears throat> I do not. All right, let me, let me rephrase. I'm, I'm thinking way too far ahead right now. Do you feel like you have to sacrifice stuff because that will make you a better Christian? Yes, that's what I'll, yes. Okay. Yeah. Because I would say that's, a, that's not it's the works. right motivation. It's works. Yeah. It's works. Yeah. That's, okay. Yeah. And that's where I'm like, okay, God. Kind of that catch 22? Yeah. I, and, and then the other thing that my wife and I have both landed on, and he seems to keep bringing people in our life, is everybody needs Jesus. And I tell you what, living in fairly affluent parts of suburbia or <laughs> small town America, whatever it is exactly that we live in, gosh, it's amazing. There are still a lot of people that need Jesus around here. Mm-hmm. Um, even in Kansas. Yeah, even in Kansas. And <laughs> Where the so, license plate still says, in God we trust. You can get a license plate that says, in God we trust. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so it... Um, Again, like I said, I don't, I don't feel like I've done much to have to sacrifice in terms of that. And I guess when God wants that from us, he'll reveal that to us and ask of, it, of us. Um, and I, you know, is there something magical that goes on when you're like, God knows your heart and knows that you're really willing to give it up? Is it, you know, I don't know. And... I'm sure Shane Claiborne knows. Shane Claiborne knows, yes. Yeah, so, um, but so yeah, I I, I think um, this one question that we're dealing with is is really just it's central to the gospel. It's central to um, what is the meaning of life. I mean, really, uh, following Jesus is um, what it is all about. Whether you choose to follow him or you don't choose to follow him. And, and yeah, ultimately, it's kind of like the biggest question. It is that has the most far-reaching consequences, one way or the other. Yeah, because because it it really doesn't even equate to doesn't even equate to. Uh... <laughs> I forgot I can't do this. You gotta stay on mic, Dave. <laughs> <Stay> on. <laughs> 
I've totally lost my train of thought now. <laughs> <laughs> Are we going to edit this? No, nope, this is staying in. This is, this staying is why in. I love our podcast. Okay. Because we're just two guys. Absolutely. Um, Not professionals. Oh, no. <laughs> no, that is definitely true. Um, and it's not about, are you even a Christian? Have you prayed to receive Jesus? Okay, what do you mean by that? Um, uh, I grew up in a time and in churches where you could pray the prayer, and if you prayed the prayer, basically saying, Lord Jesus, come into my life, forgive me of my sins, I want you to be Lord and Savior of my life, you were saved. That was, that was the general idea behind it. And I don't so much believe that because I, I do believe that your behavior will change if you truly believe that. Um, allowing somebody to be Lord of your life basically means you're giving him authority over your life. And if you are giving Jesus authority over your life, um, again, I'm not talking about um, salvation is by grace. I truly do believe that. But I believe there needs to be a behavior change in who we are if that has happened. And um, if I'm allowing him to have authority over my life, there's a lot of commandments that he gives or expectations of us as his followers that I see a lot of people who quote-unquote prayed the prayer that are kind of in that category movie that you were talking about of, well, I've prayed the prayer and I go to church on Sunday and, oh, maybe I go to a Bible study now and then, or, you know, kind of this list of do's and don'ts. And uh, uh, the gospel of sin management probably is another category of all this. But um, I truly believe that if you have committed your life to Christ, that there's going to, well, the Bible says so. There's going to be fruit, and there needs to be fruit in your life. And there's a lot of people that I um, encounter, I consider friends, that would say they're Christians, but I don't see any fruit. And maybe goes back to even your question, I think, that you asked last week. How do I tell somebody <laughs> without sounding like a jerk that <laughs> they're a sinner? And worse than that, uh, excuse me. You say you're a Christian, but I see no fruit. I see no evidence of that. So, um, so yeah, and I think, again, it goes back to what we were talking about of, are we doing a disservice to people by making it easy, by making it about, um, you know, I want to become a Christian so my life is better, so I don't go to hell, and rainbow and happiness and all that good stuff. So, but I don't think that's what the gospel's about. No, I, I <laughs> that is definitely not what the gospel's about. Yeah. I, I just, I don't know how we can look someone in the eyes and say, following Jesus is going to make your life better in the short term. Because if you look at all the people that followed Jesus in the Bible, what happened to all of them? <laughs> they're, all, they're all dead. I think, uh, well... Well, they died one of them killed themselves. an unnatural death. Ten of them were murdered, or martyred. 
Well, both actually. And then John just died of old age on the island, right? But he was imprisoned, essentially, exiled for yeah. I think a long, long. I think John would have taken the martyr's death <laughs> several years before he actually died. Mm-hmm. So, but don't worry, it'll be easy for you. But it'll be easy. <clears throat> but then, like, you understand why churches want to frame it in a positive way because if you come out the front door and say, guess what? God calls you to die. Well, see you later. I've got stuff to do. Right. So how do you, how do you present the gospel honestly? And yes, there's great benefit. We get to go to heaven. Like that's a great thing. And that is part of what, you know, the result of, of Jesus coming is, but the gospel is repent for the kingdom of heaven is near. Yeah. It's not, um, a number of other things, but it is repent is a loaded term that I think that we don't fully understand or we shy away from. No. Um, and And again, that praying the prayer to accept Jesus includes the repent. And repent means Which, like a 180 degree turn, going exactly. the opposite way of, of where you're going. Stop what you're doing and turn how around. you're doing it <laughs> and follow Jesus back the way you should be going. So maybe the answer to what does it mean to follow Jesus is actually as simple as following Jesus. Like read what he says and what he did. <laughs> and go do it. And let that um, direct the way that you act and speak and think. And that sounds super simple when you put it that way. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not, no. especially in a world that is more and more um, ungodly. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I, I know the Bible really well. I grew up in church. I still go to church. I worked for the church. And there are days when I can look in the mirror and I can say, I don't think that I'm following Jesus. I even have a podcast about the guy. But there are days where I look at myself in the mirror and I'm just like, what are you doing? Mm-hmm. You know, and then I get into this whole like self-loathing like spiral of sadness. Yes. And um, I think I shared with you, I was very much there today on my way home just frustrated with myself that I put way too much stock in what other people think about me. And I was depressed over the fact that, Oh, I'm happy when good happens and I'm sad when bad happens. And I know that probably sounds kind of stupid of, well, no duh, you'd act that way. But, (laughs) um, I kind of almost allowing myself worth to be too tied up into those things and feeling like borderline depressed when I feel like people don't like me. It's like, God, that's, (laughs) Oh, that's not good. And then getting, like you said, I kind of start beating myself up over that and getting even farther down. And then it's like, no, I know God, my value is in you. And the fact that you love me and you created me and I, as hard as it is to fathom, um, you did, uh, die for my sins and allow me to be adopted as your son. So. All right. I feel like we we could keep talking about that. That was half the show there. <laughs> That's what you think, Dave. Oh no, that was only one tenth. It's a marathon <laughs> episode. Um, 
we you mentioned this a little bit earlier when you said um you know you you will tell the why no w- uh, well we i mean we could go more into that do no, you want to do that no, one? no 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 oh okay it's not important <laughs> no i just i thought <laughs> i thought that's what you were getting ready to say. no no i, I what, we, we covered we covered that question this is this is what our conversations off air sound like um that third question how do we know who or what we follow and you mentioned the the concept of fruit earlier but how can someone who's listening to the show figure out who or what they're following in their own life. Oh boy. You know, um, I'm actually going to give a random, or maybe it's not so random. I'm going to actually try to give sort of a pragmatic response to this as a, here's a good place to start. What is it that you think about when you go to bed at night? What is the first thing that you think of when you get up in the morning? Because I will say personally in my life, that is a good indication to me of where my heart is at the moment, is what I think about when I go to bed and what I think about when I get up in the morning. Because clearly if that is the first thing on my mind at either of those two moments, then that is probably where my heart is. And now I will just say that it's not always, I'm not always thinking about God and I'm not always thinking about Jesus. Uh, I'm thinking about work. I'm thinking about um, my family. I'm thinking about a whole bunch of different things. And I just personally, and in, in conversations with people, I've, I've, come to the conclusion that's a fair assessment of um a gauge of of being able to go how do i know where my heart is and that's that can be it so because when do you tend to worry personally i tend to worry when i'm going to sleep that tends to be when my stress has come to me and then if i start thinking of ways to pacify myself or to like bring myself down it's not about godly things. It's about uh, what can I spend money on? Uh, it's about how awesome I am <laughs> when I'm in that kind of. <laughs> Is that when you go get your world's greatest Dave t shirt? <laughs> and just. You weren't supposed to tell anybody about that. <laughs> oh, well. It's out I there promise now. you, he does not have a world's greatest Dave t shirt that I'm aware <laughs> that he's of. Aware. He may actually have one, but You've I don't know about seen it. it. <laughs> um, you know, I mean, for that matter, if I'm thinking about um, just impure thoughts about women, you know, I mean, that's, that's one of those times when that happens is going to sleep at night, you know? Um, so uh, the other thing I've, I've noticed too is when I'm, when I'm following him, when I'm doing well with him in my relationship with God, I generally will wake up thinking about him. Then there'll be those days where it's like, holy cow, I've been up for an hour, God, and I haven't even thought about you. You know, and it's like, wow, you know, you're, you're obviously not front and center in my life. You're not the priority that you should be. So I don't know if that was the kind of answer that you were looking for something like that. But Yeah. No, I mean, I was, when I, when I uh, thought of that question, my my hope was that we would be practical. Okay. And that, and, and one of the things I would add too is what are the things that cause you um, stress or anxiety? 
Yes. And uh, yeah. And in those moments, what are your, um, defaults? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, what, wh- who do you go to? What do you go to? Where does your mind go? Um, when you feel overwhelmed or stressed or anxious, wh- one, what is the cause of that? Those feelings. And two, what do you do to appease them? Mm-hmm. You know, if you're stressed, do you go to booze? <laughs> you know, there's, we, we drink beer while we record this. So we're not anti that. Oh no. But the point is like, if your first reaction when you get stressed is, Oh my gosh, I need to go like medicate myself. That might be an indicator that you're placing value on something that while delicious is not the answer. <laughs> I, and I'm guilty of that. I, <laughs> oh, I get home from the bank some days and I'm like, I don't even, before I even like take my shoes off, there's a beer open because yeah. I'm just like this customer. I, I just can't even <laughs> like, I can't even talk to Meredith, but I'm, I just have to go sit in the room for a minute. And so, yeah, but I think that along with what you said, the, the trigger points in our lives that cause stress or anger um, and how we choose to resolve them are significant indicators of where we place value. Um, yeah. I, you know, and then I think, I think another indicator is where do you spend your money is a good indicator of what, <laughs> yeah. Um, and I'm guilty of that too. Uh, but where, do, where do you spend your money? And do you find it difficult to give money away and to give money on a sacrificial level of, um, I'm choosing to go without something to give to somebody. And that for us, I I would say for those of us who are kind of in America and have all of our needs met, that is a very practical way of, of, uh, a practical way of showing ourselves where we, our heart is and what's important to us. Because even though we're comfortable and our needs are met, um, I believe we do need to give sacrificially. And that just means sacrificially just means I'm going to go without something so I can give to somebody else that probably, you know, I'm going to get, give up my comfort or my luxury so that somebody can meet their basic needs. And we've mentioned it before. There's plenty of places to do that. So I'm really bad at that. Like I've said before, (laughs) I'll give you my time and my energy, Mm -hmm. you know, and let you borrow my stuff don't want to give you my money. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So I agree. That's, that's definitely a trigger for me. I've always been one of those people that's like, all right, my paycheck comes on Friday. I need to pay this bill. (laughs) That leaves me. What should I go buy? You know? And it's just like, I don't know. That's one of my personal struggles is I like spending money on things that I want. And not necessarily on things other people want or giving it to other people. Yes. Like, okay, here's, this is, this is, I'm going to make, you're going to find out how horrible of a person I am. Um, We've been sponsoring um, a child in Marafa, Kenya through World Vision for like the last six years. Um, Her name's Anne. She's Mm -hmm. a cute little girl. She's like, she's probably like 12 now. Wow. Um. I think we started sponsoring her. Oh, she might be like 10. I think we started sponsoring her and her shoes around four. Um, and like every year around her birthday and Christmas, they send you this like, Oh, spend an extra, you know, like 12 bucks and give her this amazing Christmas present. I'm just kind of like, 
uh, like we already spend 35 bucks a month, which is nothing. Right. You know, like I'm that's going out to dinner once, uh, somewhere cheap, <laughs> you know, somewhere that just qualifies as better than fast food. Right. <laughs> um, and Meredith, of course, is like, let's get her this, that. And, oh, she's in school. We can get her more pencils. And let's let's get her a goat. And I'm just like, <laughs> get her what? Goat. No. Like, I've got these nine things that I don't need. And, and that's kind of one of those moments where I had to, like, look in the mirror. And I'm like, what is wrong with you? Yeah. Like, are, are you that selfish and that self-obsessed that you're going to refuse a kid in Kenya? Like, an extra pair of shoes because mm-hmm. you want a video game right like first of all i'm 29 i shouldn't be playing video <laughs> games anyways uh, i should be doing something a little more productive with with the life that i have left but like that's a real struggle for me and right i don't know why and you know again at 29 i feel like i should have that figured out but that's, well, I, I think one of the easy things is it's not tangible for us you know, I mean, oh, I'm sure if I met her, yeah, I'd be exactly. like, take everything, it's yours. But because yeah. I never have, yeah, and that's, I mean, I truly think it is because most people, you know, if you were on your way to work and there was a small child that needed to be rescued, you know, on the side of the road, you, <laughs> you know, you saw a small child by themselves, period, you would stop and you would deal with it and you would do whatever it took to make that right. Mm-hmm. But, because we are so far separated from that, it's easy to to forget and not realize that. Plus, I, I, I'm surprised at how much of that stuff really even goes on in our own backyard, and we still don't see it. I mean, because it does it does happen even here. So, all right. Next question, Dave. Mm-hmm. All right. So it says. At the end of verse nine. Yes, we're still in verse nine, folks. This is good stuff. Uh, Jesus said to Peter, follow me. And Peter rose and followed him. Yes. Why? No, not you said Peter. Did you say Peter? And Jesus said to Peter, (laughs) follow me. And Peter rose and followed Jesus. And Matthew? And Matthew... (laughs) Why did, oh my gosh, at least they're both disciples. And it wasn't like I said, Chris. Okay. <laughs> yes. And Matthew, you really rose. like, we're freaking out there for a second. Like I'm like going, am I looking at the wrong? I don't know person? why I'm thinking about Peter right now. We talked about Peter at church on Sunday. Maybe that's why. Gotcha. Um, so, and Jesus said to Matthew, follow me. And Matthew rose and followed Jesus. Why did Matthew immediately follow Jesus? Okay, is this the same Matthew that wrote the verse, the part of the Bible that we're reading right now? Yes. Okay. Why does he wait till Matthew 9, 9 to talk about following Jesus? Why does he wait this long to tell his story? Well... <laughs> I mean, I, well, I'm, no, I'm, gonna, I'm, I'm not gonna, trying to be smart. No, no, no. I'm, I'm going to think through it. So, so he starts out with the genealogy and all the stuff that led to the birth of Jesus, right? Then he mm-hmm. talks about Jesus in the temple as a kid and how he's wowing all of the Pharisees that he would later piss off <laughs> if they were still alive. Um, and then he gets to the temptation of Jesus. So he sets up 
So it's chronological. Up to the point where we start his ministry, then we're not really sure if it's chronological or not. Okay. Um, but yeah, he sets up the genealogy. So he shows that, you know, like from, a, uh, um, oh my gosh, Adam to Abraham, Abraham to mm. David, David to Jesus. He shows the whole list. Um, and, you know, then he talks about, you know, uh, the angel coming to Mary and, and all that stuff. But then once he gets to Jesus' ministry, he starts off with the Sermon on the Mount. I mean, he starts off with the Grand Slam. Right. And Colbert even mentions this one in... Um... <laughs> Dave is trying to play his audio Bible there. Um, no, but uh, Colbert even mentions, he's like, you quote anything from the Sermon on the Mount? And he goes, it's all a home run. He's like, it's like the Beatles, just hit, 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 <laughs> mega hit, hit. <laughs> just checks all the boxes. Um but he st- when, when he gets to Jesus' ministry, he starts out with the Sermon on the Mount, mm-hmm. which is three full chapters of just very heavy, um, game-changing theology. And then from there, you know, we, we've worked through all of that to this point. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think part of it is when we get to this point, Jesus was following me and, and Matthew follows Jesus. And we're like, well, no, duh, of course you would. This guy's amazing. Right. We've seen him cast out demons and heal paralytics. And we've seen him uh, reinterpret what the law is really about. And we've, like, we've seen miracles. And of course, Matthew would just get up and follow him. But if you think practically about it, and there's other cases in the gospels too, where guys literally get up and leave their dad in a fishing boat and just walk away. Right. So this would be like, Jesus comes to me at the bank mm-hmm. and I'm bored out of my mind, but I'm at work and I'm the manager. Like I'm in charge. <laughs> I have staff that I manage. Um, Jesus were to walk up to me at the bank and say, Cam, come follow me. And I would just look at me like, all right, Angela, you got it. See you later. And just walk away. Mm-hmm. No two week notice, no training of my replacement, no guarantee that I can feed myself or clothe myself or house myself this random man walked up to me and says, follow me with enough authority that I say, yes, goodbye to my former life on the spot. Mm-hmm. So what is that about? Because that is incredible. It is incredible. Because my understanding too is, is Matthew was a tax collector, hence why he was sitting at the tax collector's booth. And if you were a tax collector in Jesus's day, you had a good job. Like you did well financially for yourself. Because they were, they were skimming Skim, off the top, skimming Dave. Off the top. So It's the oldest game. Got you. So, and, and truly one of the reasons why I asked why he waited till verse 9-9. Nine, nine. So, I'm guessing that Matthew, like you said, had a pretty good idea of who Jesus was. Like, he had a reputation that he'd been healing these people. There's probably rumblings of him being the Messiah. He does miracles. He does all these things. And so, Matthew, sitting at the tax collector booth, and Jesus says, follow me. And there's another piece of this that I wonder, too, is that even though being a tax collector was a good job, 
if we read in verse 10, uh, tax collectors and sinners are listed together. <laughs> and the Pharisees are a little annoyed by that. So Looking down their long noses. So um, I, I would even have to say that um, there's, a, there's a, maybe even some human nature here of going, I'm, yes, I've got a job and I'm doing well, but this guy has potential to be the Messiah. He's got a pretty good track record up to this point. I am a tax collector, and while I am doing well financially, my status amongst the community would clearly go up if I followed this guy. So, now granted, I'm, I'm, I'm coming from a bit jaded here. Of, <laughs> of, uh, what would it take for Dave to follow Jesus in this scenario? of uh, feeling like I'm getting an upgrade if I follow Jesus versus staying a tax collector working in the tax collector booth. But um, all that being said, I truly believe that the Holy Spirit was working here. And Matthew listened to the Holy Spirit and was like, this is what, this is kind of my calling. This is what God is asking me to do. Who knows? Maybe I'll write the gospel someday of Matthew and people will be reading it for 2000 years to come. Well, that would be a clear, like, Oh, if I can do that, then yeah, I'll definitely follow you. (laughs) I don't think he knew that. Yeah, no. So this, this, um, kind of reminds me of a story of one of the, um, guys that's helping with the church plant. Um, he was at a, some business conference, um, and he was not a Christian and like he had grown up in the church, but they stopped going when he was like 10 or 12. And he just kind of was like, peace out. See you later. Like I'm going to, you know, and so as an adult, he's at some business conference and they were supposed to sit behind the stage. So I guess there was seating behind the stage, but someone came and said, Oh no, no, no guys, we got seats in the third row or something like stupid close to the stage. So they're trudging down there, and then he's like, oh, they're having a church service before the conference starts on Sunday morning, and all the conference members were at the church service. And so he said he was, like, super pissed about it. Like, are you kidding me? I'm here for a business conference. You're forcing me to sit in, like, the third row for a church service I don't want to be at. This is so dumb. But I forget who the speaker was, but he says that, you know, he's sitting there trying to do everything he could to ignore what's going on stage, but the speaker kept saying things that were just like pricking his heart. Mm-hmm. Um, and then at the end, the speaker did an altar call. Um, and at that point, um, this guy said he was almost at the verge of going up, but he thought, no, I'm not going to do it. Like I need to go home and think about this and think through it. And then the guy doing the, the preacher said, there's some, there's some of you now that are second guessing what you know is right and you want to go home. And, <laughs> and, and then this guy said at that second, I got up and I walked to the stage Cool. and he goes, it, it's changed my life ever since. And so like, when I see this, I'm like, this still happens today. Mm-hmm. And it's not necessarily Jesus, you know, being three feet away from you saying, come follow me, but yeah. it's, it's Jesus and the Holy spirit working through other people. And that effect of, Oh my gosh, I need to follow this guy still happens today. Yes which is freaky. If you, I mean, like freaky in a good sense, like 
the power of the gospel and the truth of the gospel and the desire of people to find the truth and to do what is right is still here. Mm -hmm. Like despite all the crap that goes on in the world and all of the nasty, horrible things and wars and sex trafficking and, and, and all of the awful things that are happening, the power that Jesus has to say, come follow me Mm -hmm. and people get up and do it still happens. Yeah. And that just blows my mind. Yes. Super cool. It is cool. What's even more frustrating when people are like, no, I'm good. No, no, you're not good. No, you don't understand. It's not because you're dumb. You're probably a very smart person, but you're missing the boat on this one. And again, how do you do that without being a jerk? Like I just was right there. <laughs> yeah. And it's, I, I guess I should even say that, um, you know, for as much as I am not a big fan of the, uh, single time of praying to receive Jesus and it's all good. I I have very much a memory of being 11 years old and going to a youth rally and praying a prayer to accept Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. And even at 11, I mean, that not, I mean, it stands out to me. I mean, I remember it. I remember something happened. I mean, I believe that, you know, I'm going to use the word saved. (laughs) I, you know, I was, I, I believe that Jesus came into my life that at that particular moment. But, um, like I said, it's, I mean, it's 30 some years later since that happened and it's been a long process and by no means has it been easy. So, yeah, I feel like I had that moment like three or four times. Like, oh yeah, I got baptized (laughs) twice. Have I told you this? No. All right. So real quick, uh, freshman year of high school, I took, we went on a mission trip down to the Baja Peninsula of Mexico. And I got baptized by my then youth pastor in the Pacific Ocean on Easter Sunday. Like, if you're going to get baptized, that's how you do it, right? <laughs> yeah. Um, and then not three months later, that church had a massive three-way split. All the elders fired half the staff, and then they all, not all, most of them left the church. My mom was one of the staff members that got fired. It was super nasty. Like... I, at a very young age, was exposed to how despicable the church can be. Mm. Like, it was bad. Um, and then, I, let's see. The second time I got baptized, would have either been my senior year of high school or my freshman year of college. It was like a redo. Because, <laughs> like... We always joke around like, did I really get, because that, that, that youth pastor wound up like excommunicating me. Like we would get breakfast every Saturday morning. I was on the leadership team. Like he was like my mentor. Like I was under his wing. Like he was in a sense, I mean, he was discipling me like big time. Mm-hmm. I looked up to him a whole lot. And when the whole church split happened, like I was just excommunicated because I was Audrey's kid and she got fired and wouldn't return my calls. Would you know, he, he wanted to meet with me, but he wanted to do it at the church. My mom said, the only way you're meeting with him is if it's at our house and he wouldn't come to my house. And just at that point, stopped returning. And it was just nasty. Um, and I have long since forgiven him and he's gone on to plan his own successful church in Detroit. And he's, he's a good guy. He, mm-hmm. he just got caught in a really bad situation and I've got no ill will towards him at all. In fact, I'd love to go have coffee with him next time I'm in Detroit. Um, just to catch up. But so the second one was kind of like a, 
Did the first one really count? Because right <laughs> after I got baptized, lots of really bad stuff happened. But two, it was also kind of like that, that like feeling of recommitment. Like when couples like redo their vows after right. like 30 years, it's not really getting married again. But for me, it was like a, okay, no, for real. Like this is. Yeah. And so I don't really know. If, but I, like I, I like, I like felt like I have to do this and my dad. And it was, it was the, all the planned baptisms happened. And then the pastor was like, if anyone out there feels like the spirit is pushing him to do this. And I, and my dad was the one behind the stage handing out t- towels and I walked up and he just <laughs> started. <crying. laughs> it's like, what are you doing? <laughs> and the first time when I got baptized, my mom was pissed because I got back from the trip and she found out like from someone else. Did you know that cam got baptized? What? My, my oldest child and my only son got baptized in another country when I wasn't there to see it. Oh, she was so mad. I mean, she was happy, Yeah, but it was just like, seriously, you're going to do that when we can't be there to celebrate with you. <laughs> so anyways, I don't really know what the point of that story was. I forget now, but Oh, the re the recommitment. Yes. thing. Yeah. Yeah. That's, Anyways, I'm really good at derailing this show, Dave. That's quite all right. We're good. All right. Yes. Next question. Mm Mm-hmm. All right. I have no idea what this next question means. Well, we can, we don't have to. Yeah, we'll skip it. (laughs) Okay. Now we're going to skip that one, too. That doesn't make any sense. I don't know what I was thinking today. It was high on espresso. I had had like way too much in a short amount of time. Jittery hands. All right. What does I desire mercy and not sacrifice mean? Aren't, aren't we supposed to sacrifice things? Not goats anymore, but like are we, <laughs> we talked about sacrificial giving earlier. Yes. But what does I desire mercy, not sacrifice mean? Um... I believe this is from Hosea 6.6 6, when I was looking at it. And I, I, it really kind of comes down to um, religion versus a relationship to me. And he's, he's just saying, I'm not looking for sacrifice because it's what you're supposed to do. I'm looking for sacrifice because it's what you desire to do because you're in a relationship with me. And I think um, if we are in a relationship with him, we're going to extend that. We're going to extend mercy. In a sense, um, we talked about in the Sermon on the Mount that um, we'll be forgiven as we forgive. And so... um, this is this is about a relationship. This is about doing things out of a heart that desires God and loving God and not simply doing the rituals because this is what the rituals are. And sacrifice doesn't mean squat if you don't know the reason behind it and mm-hmm. if there isn't the heart behind it. And so... Um, so do you think that this is... I mean, it's kind of obvious now. I never had that, this thought until right now. Like this is essentially what he means when he says those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick, like mercy is bringing the sick healing. Mm -hmm. It's not saying, well, you got sick because you did something that was unclean. It was you, you move past that and you still 
bring healing to the people that need it, regardless of how they got hurt. Mm-hmm. Even if they don't fit the mold of, you know, in this case, a good Jew. Yes. Which, you know, the tax collectors would not have been because they, you know. Knew. Were not the Pharisees or the scribes or the Sadducees or, you know, the Sanhedrin or any of those other elitist groups. Um, and so I think I'm going to ask a, a spot on the question and you don't see this one coming. <laughs> How does this apply to our current situation in America with the, the, the church and homosexuals? Um, I, I would say that, um, God tells us not to judge people who are outside of the church or don't consider themselves believers. Um, and I even think ultimately it's God's job job to judge people. Um, so, um, I think we are to love people who are homosexuals and by showing them God's love, loving them unconditionally, it is ultimately God's job to convince them of their sin. And what do I care more about? I care more about that they come to know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior than they quote-unquote get cured of their homosexuality. And it's, you know, because I think there's that mentality. I think there's definitely that Mm-hmm. Well, I gotta, I gotta get clean to get in the shower, you know. <laughs> I gotta, I gotta get rid of my sin so I can become a Christian. No, we become Christians to get rid of our sin. And so, when dealing with someone who's a homosexual outside of the church, first and foremost, they need to come to know Christ. Um, if somebody cl- wants to tell me that they're a homosexual and they're a Christian. Um, I might be a little bit more direct about how I feel about that in terms of what God's plan was and all that, but ultimately, that's still between them and God. It's not my job to fix them of their homosexuality or convince them that's a sin, because you know what? I was a liar the day I became a Christian, and I'm still a liar today. I still have a lot of sin in my life that didn't just disappear when I became a Christian. Now, granted, don't necessarily go around identifying myself as I'm a liar and fighting for liars' rights. Uh, so I think that's maybe where some of the the disconnect can come in terms of being Christians and homosexuality and fighting for our rights and that sort of a thing. But um. Hopefully I haven't derailed too far what my thoughts are, but I, our job is to love people. It really is. And that's, that's how I raise my children. Mm-hmm. I raise my three kids to love everybody because uh, we live in a fairly small town, and you can pretty quickly learn other people's dirt. And it would be easy to stop loving them based on the dirt that other people have shared with you about them. And my wife and I just seem to be, well, not seem to be, we are convicted time and time again that it doesn't matter what other people's dirt is. Our job is to love them and let God deal with the dirt because he's the only one that can make dirt go away. 
And some of us do things that allow our dirt to become public, while others of us are better at hiding our dirt. (laughs) And my wife and I are probably better at hiding our dirt, or it's not dirt that gets aired on social media. So at least not yet. So (laughs) uh, hopefully that answers your question. But I believe, yeah, I believe God's asking us to... Well, I'm just thinking like... Have mercy and love people. I don't, you know, I always hate paraphrasing scripture. Because Um, people are going to come to know Jesus by us loving them, not by pointing out that they're (laughs) sinners. And now granted, John the Baptist came and said, repent for the the kingdom of heaven. Well, that's part of it too, is that's another (laughs) reason why I asked that question last week. How do we, how do we approach people that are sinners and tell them they're sinners and need Jesus without, you know, and, and, and so the the thing that, that I always come back to is like, you know, the, the church has unjustly tried to um, single out homosexuality as the worst sin on the planet. Mm-hmm. And a lot of that is political, and I, I don't have the mental bandwidth right now to, to get into <laughs> that part of it. Um, and we'll have plenty of time in the upcoming presidential election period to discuss that. And sure. we will, we're not going to shy away from it. Um, but we've already been in this episode an hour. So yeah, I think I this that. now is not the time. Um, but I think that as Christians, if this story were to happen today, you could very easily substitute tax collectors with homosexuals and the Pharisees, or in our case, the church would be like, why is Jesus having dinner with them? Absolutely. And why wouldn't he be having dinner with them? And it could also, it could also be, why he might even go to a gay bar. Why is God, why is Jesus having dinner with self-righteous people? (laughs) Because guess what? (laughs) They need, you know, to be brought down a peg. So I, I think the important thing and I think that, that you were spot on, Dave, but this whole idea of I desire mercy and, and not sorry, we have to, as followers of Christ, if we want other people to know Jesus, we have to show mercy. We have to be willing to forgive. We have to be open-minded and open-hearted towards other people. We just have to. Because well, ultimately, that's how Jesus was. Well, and ultimately, that's who we are. I mean, we want mercy. Yeah. <laughs> it's kind of like the mercy stops here. You can't have any because it's all for me, yeah. which is ridiculous. So I just, yeah, I, I am particularly offended when I see Christians singling out homosexuals. And I'm just like, I don't get it. I, I just, I, why is that like the, the sin of the, of the, the year, you know? The, the, the only thing I will throw out there is it, it is the one sin that seems to have this, like, I'm going to march for my sin. Well, yeah. And you get into the, yeah. So that, but so that's that a aspect. lot of the, a lot of that's political, but you also too have to, you know, you don't the, when when folks I identify as a homosexual or even the transgender, I identify as a different gender. And so when you say that that is wrong, then there's the interpretation that 
well, that's how I identify. So that means that I'm wrong. And then I want to be like, time out. Guess what? We're all wrong because we're all sinners. Mm -hmm. But I think because the identity and how you kind of grasp that as your thing in life makes it so much more um, potentially hazardous to even bring it up. Mm -hmm. You know? Um, and so like when I, if I want to share the gospel with somebody who is, um, who identifies as a homosexual and is, you know, actively in a relationship with a person of the same sex. And I say, guess what? That's not okay. And here's, well, then I'm, I'm really kind of taking their whole world and ripping it to shreds based on how they perceive the world, No, no matter how smart or dumb or like it, it, that would be like if someone were to come into my world and say that I have to go marry a guy and I have to move to Zimbabwe. Like that would totally destroy my entire view on how I've built my life, where I wanted to go, how I thought my life was going to be, you know, and, and that's what the gospel does. Sure. But for a legitimate and good reason, not just because, Someone somewhere said it was okay or wrong to live the way that I live. Mm-hmm. I hope that made any sense. I don't <laughs> even really know right now. But I just, yeah, I think the the emphasis has to be on loving people and showing mercy because, yeah, Scripture says, you know, they will know we are Christians by our love, not by our judgment, not by our hatred, not by all the stupid signs that that church in Topeka. Right. God. Well, and I think, and I think in the appropriate time, we speak truth to people. Mm -hmm. And I think that's, I think that's the last part. So maybe not judging. Right. And then it's it's speaking truth to them. And then at that point, but again, exactly. But I, I can, until somebody wants to know what the truth is, it doesn't matter. And, you know, I'll just say from my own life, people have come to me and said, I value your friendship. I I value who you are. And I see something different in you. I want to know what you think about X sin. I want to know what you think about X in terms of God and Jesus. I've never, ever converted somebody because I made a really good point or or had a really good (laughs) argument with them. And they suddenly went, Oh, you're right. My Mm -hmm. gosh, I can't handle all your logic. I'm going to accept Jesus as my Lord and savior. No, they see something in me, which I believe is the Holy spirit. And then say, I want to know more. And then that leads to other things. So I think that size signifies the end of episode 30. (laughs) Thank you guys for, uh, and ladies. Yes. For listening and probably yelling or (laughs) whether in disagreement or agreement, I'm sure you're very, um, vociferous as you listen, if I can use a SAT word. Uh, anyways, um, show notes, Dave, they are, oh my gosh, they're at masterclassfm.com.com slash episode. No master. See, why do you even ask me this? Slash 30 (laughs) slash 30. (laughs) And you can email us at masterclassfm at gmail.com. Yes. Because we talked about some stuff that might be worthy of an email this episode. Um, or you can get us on Twitter at MasterclassFM. 
And I think that about does it. Sounds good. Do you concur, David? I do concur. All right. Well, we'll see everybody next time. Well, we won't see them, will we? No, I don't know. I mean, all I see is you, (laughs) which is wonderful. Sure. All right. uh, Bye. Bye. (laughs)